Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 92 in our book. Oh, sorry. Oh, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it is so heavy. It is, this is such a beefy book. Is War of the Fang by Chris Raitt. The book is actually a combination of The Hunt for Magnus and Battle of the Fang. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our discussions via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Box channel. Spoiler warning for like really old books. <laughs> if you haven't yet read the books, definitely to go check them out first and then come back to this post as we're going to be discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. Well, With to, that, to be fair, let's we had read it. So <laughs> so funny story about that actually. Halfway through Battle of the Fang, I was like, oh, "We did read this book." And my husband was like, "I told you that but like i swear to god i remembered like three things from the book it's it's just been like it's it hasn't even been like that long but i was like oh yeah i oh it was kind of a new adventure for me i imagine this is what it's going to be like someday when i eventually get dementia every day is going to be a new day every book will be new <laughs> so we're going to spice it up a little bit tonight since this is technically two books but let's start with did you like this book i did i wasn't sure i was going to but I did. B, because it's very Space Wolfy, and I know you were a little hesitant to read it. Um, well, I really the, um, did enjoy both stories. The suns cracked me up. So. There's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I love... <laughs> so heavy. Um, I really like the special edition. I was like, as soon as they showed this, like for their preview, I was like, oh, I'm going to be opening. I'm going to be owning that book for sure. That's gorgeous. Um, and I had never, honestly, if it weren't for this book, I never would have read The Hunt for Magnus. I remember when that story came out, I was like, Meh, I don't care. Um, because I don't really like Magnus very much. And so I was glad this actually made me read it. And I was like, oh, that was actually a pretty good story. Because it, Magnus we'll was there in a really second. In it. Because. <laughs> Huh? Magnus wasn't really even in it, so there's there's that. Um, it dealt with two things I really liked. But let's start with do you think these two stories, like do you understand why they combined them? Did oh, you think they pieced well into one narrative? Yes. Yes. Because Hunt for Magnus set the foundation for Battle of the Fang. So one hundred percent. Reading them. As I bled into Battle of the Fang and kept reading it, I actually was kind of struck by people people read this without Hunt for Magnus in the front. I mean, like, I guess. That actually, but, but like that struck me because I was like that. I agree with you completely. It, it basically was like, it was like the foundation for which the rest of the house gets built on. Um, I can't imagine the two stories separate. I can't either because... I don't think you would fully understand uh, Ironhelm's obsession. Right. Um, and you wouldn't really understand. I don't think you would really understand Ironhelm in general, not just his, not just his mm, obsession, but a lot of, and I think it also kind of explains. Cause like I, apparently Ironhelm is actually like, he, you know, he's, 
he's entombed in a way that like is a cautionary tale for space wolves for psychers right for the rune priests basically is like yeah don't trust whatever you hear in the warp it ain't trustworthy this guy's our textbook case of this right um i feel as though this definitely explains why and it gives you a lot of his- it gives you a lot of more understanding for how why the wolves have some of the opinions they do in the 40k universe um what parts of hunt for magnus stood out to you Oh, you know, it was it really one thing I really enjoyed about reading this in the 32K was that it's it's so funny because they act like the heresy was so long ago. And I'm like, I'm just like, it's just a thousand years ago, but because I'm so used to the 40K where it's 10,000 years ago. And it's kind of interesting, even in that thousand years, like what gets lost just in that that thousand years. So, um, you know, I one thing I really, um, honestly, what I really enjoyed in it is when um, Ironhelm, when they get to where he thinks Magnus is, and there's that one sorcerer, and he hears the sorcerer's voice, and he's like, why are you after me? He's like, oh, did we really, did you really think this was about you? I'm like, classic sons. <laughs> classic sons. I... So you touched on something that I really, that I like about this book. So one of the weird things about 40K is that we see the heresy, which is where there's two parts of the heresy, or actually it's technically three acts of the heresy. We're all buddies. Oh, wait, we're not all buddies. Wait, are you my buddy or are you not my buddy? And those guys are awful. We're all buddies. And then we see 40K, which is the traitor legions are known, the traitor legions, like, the thousand suns who are blue they show up they've got these rubrics it's kind of weird and kind of tragic but whatever i love this particular part of history where oh magnus like i think magnus is still alive magnus is dead fool and like when they first find the rubrics right and they're like no 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 no, no. the thousand suns were red well like that but just like the rubrics were they confused them and I was like, you know, is this the first time that anyone's ever seen them? Because that's kind of cool to read about. Because I imagine it'd be like, why won't these things die? And when they finally do, it's like, there's nothing in it. And it's dust coming out. That's just weird. Um, I thought that was such a nice flavor piece. Because yeah. Chris Rate has always done interesting little flavor things in all of his books, right? Like there's the whole thing about vellum in... <laughs> right. Was that in the Vaults of Terror or in the Watchers of the Throne? I can't remember which, but he does remember. that whole thing on Vellum and you're like, oh, wow. Or when he talks about, I think it's in Vaults of Terror, when he talks about how, like, if one supply ship is, like, an hour late, a million people starve on Terra. Like, he always throws these cool things and that was such a neat flavor thing. But it's like, oh, my God, you guys don't even know. Right. You don't even know who these, what these things are yet. That's fun. Yeah. So that that to me was 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 a lot of fun. And, you know, it's honestly, it was really interesting. I made a note here, you know, page 29, that it was really interesting looking to the state of the Imperium as a whole, because you have these people that are still stuck in the past with the heresy, because it was, like I said, only a thousand years ago. And I'm very sad that Bjorn's already a dreadnought. Um, I was like, maybe Bjorn's still around. No, man, he's already a dreadnought. That sucks. All right. A young dreadnought at that point. Like, he's not this venerable, like, go and awaken Bjorn. Like, right. he's more like, ah, oh, go wake him up. Right, right. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
but they still remember him as like the very the first you know great wolf after after uh, Lehman Ross. So that's kind of cool, especially since I haven't finished the Heresy. I actually didn't know Bjorn was the first great wolf, so I was like, oh, that's kind of a little cool thing for me me to learn. Um, but so you have those people that are they're like still stuck in the past, and then you have the other faction that's just like. We can't focus on that. We got problems now. Like we got Xenos that we need to purge out of here. We can't be chasing these ghosts when we have something. When they were talking about the green skins. Yeah, we have have something more tangible right here. Well, and it's it opens up that interesting question of self fulfilling prophecy, Mm -hmm. where they're like, "Dude, the green skins are at our door," and Iron Helm's like, "Don't care." Magnus is still alive. What happens if you don't listen to the voice in the warp? Well, you know, and it kind of shows like how much they or he was not listening to his own, their own sagas, you know, which makes me wonder, it's like, man, what is Casper doing? Oh, he's, he exited stage I everyone left. to know. That is the $50,000 question. Yes, because he me. got interred, you know, with the dreadnoughts. As a human, I still don't know why. Like, because, because, and they injured him more because it was like, look, you've seen some shit. Maybe. Like, we need to make sure you don't get into other people's hands, and you did do us a valuable service. And I almost feel like he was also kept as kind of a cautionary tale, but I, I but want everybody knows to know. about him. And nobody. And like Bjorn's probably literally the only person who does. But you know, but he was the one. So like that's one of the things to talk about with things getting forgotten. You know, but they're all obsessed with that Magnus is still around because they don't know because of Casper or whatever that they did Magnus and the Sons wrong. They listened to the traitor, who they didn't know was a traitor at the time, and totally, you know, killed a whole bunch of people for no reason. Um so they're just obsessed with that. It was like, well, but you know, that's who our that's who the Wolf King went after. So we have to make sure that they're eradicated. It's like, no, no, you don't know your own sagas. You don't know your own stories because Casper has been interred and his sagas never got to be written with the other skelds. Um, but so we so it's like Magnus is able to use that obsession. But of course, Magnus, I don't know. It's weird with Magnus too, right? Which I know we're going to get more into that with Battle of the Fang, like his his motivations with with this whole thing. Um, but I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's interesting to see how like. So, one of the things I found very interesting about that story is that so okay, why so outside of Horus telling them to go and destroy the thousand sons why were they beefing with the thousand sons and why did they believe that they need that this was a legit order to begin with it's because the warp was dangerous without like some of the loyalist legions were using it but not to the degree the thousand sons were like they didn't have buddies from the warp that just ran around everywhere that even if the loyalists were like this feels weird like they were essentially they were abusing the warp and psychers, right? And so, like, abusing their powers, not physically abusing them. Um, so, to your point, 
It's interesting to me that Iron Helm was like, you know, oh, we've got to go and chase them down. There's a strange voice in the warp, like in my dreams, that's talking to me and I'm going to listen to it. Like you never stopped to be like, no, wait a minute. Why were we beefing with the Thousand Sons to begin with? Like, again, the stuff that's already been forgotten and it's been a thousand years. Right. Like on one hand, yeah, like I challenge you to actually discuss anything in real great detail from a thousand years ago in human history. Spoiler, it's it's very scant. Um, however, like the in the 40k universe, that's nothing. Right. A thousand years is like ten years ago. And um and yeah, the watching this guy who's just like, oh no, I, I believe the voice in my dream. Like I, I trust this. Like this this at the end of the day, so much trust put into this. And for why? And then to your point too, when he was talking about like when they first see the rubrics and they're like, no, no, no. I have seen a picture of them. They were red. <laughs> like, because the uh, the All Holy Archive right, right. says they're A, dead, and B, they were red. <laughs> like, I found that scene. I was like, what am I reading? Mm -hmm. Again, it's just so much is lost. And I know that the beginning of every book says that, but for real, though. Well, it's, you know, also part of his obsession is when they found that cult. <laughs> You know, and they're like, you know, you can't stop it. He is everywhere. I think it's like a quote on the back of the book is actually from that quote. Yeah, he lives, son of rest. Like, it will never leave you. And he's just like, wait, what? He's still alive? He's having this dream? He's like, oh, my God. He is still alive. We have to finish what our father started. It's like, no, you really don't. You don't because you don't know exactly what the purpose of that was. You weren't there. You don't know. You didn't get the order. You didn't hear everything well, that, that happened point... after. They don't. I don't even think they really understood that he was a demon prince at this point. So I'm not like, sure what they knew. They just knew traitor. So like, this new traitor and our dad and our father went after them, and so therefore, therefore, by God, we're going to too. But the funny thing is, is that like, okay, like the 40k guys, I get it. He's a he's a demon prince. This needs to be stopped. You cannot have these guys with this guy running around. But I don't really get the impression that he knew. Like, I don't think he knew that Magnus was not going to appear like the Magnus that Lehman Russ knew. He's... No, I think they all expected, like, the Primarch. It's a guy. A guy. It's like a Primarch mm -hmm. dude who's going to show up and be like, look at me, I'm all mystical and stuff. Um, Not quite. Because they knew that Russ broke his back. Mm-hmm. But I guess there was a skipping of, like, why didn't he kill him then? Like, where did he go? Uh, that got left out. How he abandoned his corporeal body to create the planet of the sorcerers. That all got left out. So you think it's just a guy. Which is another reason why I think the rubric confused them. They're like, what? What? What is this? This doesn't even make any sense. be fair, I loved that scene too. Because the rubrics are very... Um concerning let's say um it's the one thing about the thousand suns that i really do find interesting are the concept of the rubric marines we've seen them utilized in such great stories like i think about um oh what is that mark of faith where the guys just like the thousand sun is like i just wanted to hear my best friend's voice again and um in black legion how every now and then a scander would be like wait a minute there was a ghost of sentience no no, never mind. Well, 
Um, it was also in Black Legion when one of them was killed and it spoke to him and told him to run. It's like, oh, shit. The rubrics are a uh, rubric. No, they're uh, they're an interesting little puzzle. And I know you and I have talked about that whenever they show up in books, how they're really starting to lay the framework in a lot of these books that the Thousand Sons don't even really understand what's going on with these guys. No, there's something weird there. Um, I liked that. I love that concept about them. And I really did like getting to see the wolves. Like, what is that? That's, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about Iron Helm's obsession. Like, do you understand it? Does that make him a good leader? A reckless leader? Like. I understand a little bit, but it doesn't make him a good leader. I was actually kind of struck by how. So for the guy who's like, and that's, an, I keep going back to that scene because it was like, whoa, the guy who's like, Magnus is alive, Magnus is alive, Magnus is alive. When they're like, mm, I think these dusty guys, I think these are Thousand Sun Space Marines. Nope, 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 nope. Bruh, <laughs> like, what do your eyes tell you? <laughs> like, he he definitely was a little pig-headed when people would try to tell him stuff. He's like, nope, mm -mm, mm -mm, I have decided nah. Did not make him, it made him very wolfy, but not necessarily a great leader. Well, I mean, you know, Logan Grimnar, who's you know, next to Bjorn, is probably the best great wolf existence. Like, yes, he's very pig-headed too. We've seen it several times. But at the same time, he's very knowledgeable and is mm -hmm. wise in how he will like, take in information. You know, um, Iron Helm is not, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And it's just because he, because of this obsession and he can't let it go. He's like, he's going to go off of what he knows about the Thousand Sons because that is what the sagas have and therefore nothing has changed well not even think about a lot has happened like they keep saying it was a thousand years ago but at the same time but it's like but but everything is frozen in time right well which is it <laughs> yeah exactly there's there's an interesting dichotomy yeah to the 32 m32 world that you're absolutely correct that they live in a state of where nothing has changed and everything has changed. And I, I find that fascinating. It is that story. This whole book in general makes me wish we got to see more things from the mid thirties. I've always said that I would love to see like the age of apostasy. I think that would make a great book series, right? Like going back and looking at some of these fledgling years where things are oh like you the legend know that's going to be after siege of terra probably yes but hopefully it doesn't become nine thousand books like the horus heresy um, oh, it will. but i i do like getting to see what what it looks like in this pre-40k universe when they're in this weird like mm -hmm. we don't really know where the traitors are all right, so let's so that let's talk about the beefier book in here, Battle of Fang. What parts stood out to you? 
What didn't? I mean, nothing. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, there's lots of things that, 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 that I liked in here. You know, uh, I wrote down a note here, like on page 151, where they're like, we've never been ones for following the rules. Leave those to Gullum and Sons. I chuckled at that. And then my note I wrote there, though, and yet they cling to their own tradition so fiercely. They say Very they don't follow so. the rules, but they follow their own rules. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it kind of, you know, also when um, Blackwing got really, like, irritated whenever Ny Nyman, you know, called him a space wolf. He's like, oh, we're the Vilka Fenrika. It's like, so snobby. <laughs> like. You're the only ones who call yourselves that. You realize that, right? Um, they're really one of the only Space Marine chapters. Like, before I say that, I want to preface by saying that we, yes, a lot of the Space Marine chapters have their own language, but the Space Wolves are often presented as the only, re like the only major chapter that it's their language first and then Gothic. Um, no. Most of them, it's white, either equals or it's more gothic than it is their own white, language. White Scars is the other. That's the other. White, yes, the, the, white, the other feral boys. So it's like, yeah, the White Scars is so fascinating. Reading as much as I have about them in the Horus Heresy. Go on ahead and drink, everybody. Is that they are set as like the the pair, right? With 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 the Space Wolves. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's the same thing. Like they don't have, you know, kind of like the space wolves, like they don't have numbered companies. They, Correct. You know, it's the brotherhood of the, of the blood moon or, or whatever. Um, you know, they don't have apothecaries. I forget what they're called over in the white scars, but they don't have librarians. It's the storm seers. It's like, you know, the rune priests here. And uh, so, so the only difference is, is that, the white scars don't care what other people call them or say about them, or the space wolves are just like, ah, don't call us that. It's like, <laughs> sorry, it's y'all versus everybody else. So it's a difference in mentality, right? Because I yeah. always think about um, that one scene, and I can't remember what book it's in, but with um, Jagatai Khan, when um, Fulgrim is kind of like, like, teasing him about like oh we've never seen you like you don't know anything oh, about me like you wouldn't scars, know how to fight me. the scars book yes and um and he's like and he says he's like everyone knows everything about you everybody knows everything about everyone else i like nobody knowing anything about me like there's this it's not pissiness per se it's not like a total arrogance but it is this kind of we don't we don't need your approval. We don't want your approval. We don't care what you think about us. We probably don't think about you very much at all. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the wolves are more of like you will know us. And they really do like that. I always think of that, um I think it was in that third Space Wolf book by Chris Raid, where um they're talking and he, he's just like, Yeah, you know, everyone knows the holy primarchs, right? Like everybody loves Sanguinis. He's like, But if you're in a foxhole and you mention Lehman Russ watch guardsmen burst out into a smile, right? Like knowing that that guy's with them. They kind of like that like brashness, right? Mm -hmm. It does occasionally make them like even I, the, I know the exact scene you're talking about. It's like, dude, what do you care what they call you? Right. Ultimately, like it's a weird note for them. But probably the thing that stood out for me the most is that 
Nyman, the navigator, might have been my favorite character in this whole thing. I was very sad that he died because I liked the fact that he was uh, actually brave and strong. And he constantly told Blackwing where to shove it. It was great because Blackwing annoyed the crap out of me. I mean, he was funny, like, in the end. I was not a fan of him. Like, I really loved when he, you know, got to Ironhelm and, and he was just like, wait, what more do you want me to say? I have all this, like, obviously I lied about all this. Do I need to say please? <laughs> like, that was kind of funny. But, you know, that, you know, when Nyman, like, saved, saved him, saved Blackwing. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm saving your ass, you stupid bastard. Like, okay, he said that to a space wolf. That's awesome. I like this guy. To be fair, he's speaking their language. Right. But another line... I'm sure the space wolf at some part of him was like, not bad. Uh, there's a, actually, there's several scenes like with Blackwing, actually, that I enjoyed. Like when he, his threat against mutiny, what he said he was going to do with the mutineers. He was just going to plug their bodies in the holes in the hull. He's like, it won't do anything, but it'll make me happy. Like, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um but his most insightful thing he said was the wolves were savage, not savages. I like that because the white scars say that too. They're like, we're very civilized. We just, but we fight savagely was the big thing, big thing with, with the white scars. Because, mm -hmm. and this one thing that Dekatai Khan told them all was that laugh when you're killing. It's like, well, that's why they think you're a madman. But it's also right. part of it that he did that so that they could just keep up their happy mood. That's his big thing was that everyone's jovial with the white scars. Whereas the well, and I then the opposite, so, you got the space wolves who are very angry and get their heat up, their blood up when they when they fight. Very much so. Um, one of my favorite white scars notes, not to divert too but down my far that down that rabbit hole but it was in the jagatai khan um primark novel he uh when he first comes to terra the mechanicists like take him up and they're like look at your ship it's so shiny and we've made you this wonderful cut battleship and this will be your flagship and here's all of its specs and features jagatai khan kind of looks at it looks at it and then he's like you really think i must be stupid like, just because I am savage does not mean I am a savage. And he proceeds to be like, strip this, change this, change this, change this. I'm not stupid. Do all Because they were kind of giving him like what he felt was like just kind of a milk toast. Mm. Although when you're talking about a Gloriana class battle cruiser, like it's none of them are really milk toast. But <laughs> he's like, basically strip it down and make it fast. Um, But you're right. There is this like anger to the wolves that kind of makes them fun. And sometimes, but it also does mean that they're a really difficult bunch to deal with. And I think this book felt more of like the savage, but not quite so thumbing their nose at the Imperium, mm -hmm. like the 40k guys are. <laughs> of course, a lot of shit has happened between this book and the 40k novels. Um, almost, you know, an Inquisitor trying to kill the whole first founding chapter. Anyways. <laughs> Let bygones be bygones. Um, there's, I I really liked the characterization in here. I really, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the work with the Canis Helix. 
That was some Fabius Bile shit going on. It is. And here's... I had a huge problem with it. Here's where I have a very hard, like a very mixed emotions on this. So in the Lehman Russ Primark novel, which I don't have it near me, but I'm like 60% certain it's written by Chris Wright. Oh, it is. Um, it it's is. actually very good. It's, I think it's my favorite Primark novel I've read so far. Um, it, there's the central, the crux of the book is that people are turning into wolfins. And a lot of the captains get together and are like, oh, man, we got to try and fix this. Like, we got to hide this. We got to hide this. And, of course, it does not stay hidden. It mm -hmm. gets revealed in front of the Dark Angels. And the Dark Angels are like, excuse me, what? And then it starts this huge fight. And then at the end, Lehman Russ is like, you dumb bastards. I always knew about the Wolfen. I know that our gene seed is unstable as hell. Our father, my father knows that it's unstable as hell. It's in the Emperor's plan. Particularly interesting to me, going back to a point you made earlier about them not really knowing their history, that this guy, who, yes, definitely was giving off Fabius Bile energy, is like, and on one hand, I was, I, I'm going to be honest, I was totally rooted for Magnus. I was like, that's fair. That was oh, a fair yeah. revenge, which we'll talk more about later, but like, I was really turned off by the idea of him, like, fixing it. The whole time I was like, excuse you. Because that's what Fabius Spile was all about, too, was improving upon the Emperor's work. Mm-hmm. Oh, and where did that get him? Cancer. I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It got him having to clone himself. Because like, he, yeah, oh. Bleh. Um... I have a little PTSD from reading all three of those books. Um, a little. A, row. a little. Just a little. Just a smidge. Um, but Fabulous Bill, like, that guy's been doing this for like 10,000 years and... Um, he hasn't gotten anywhere. I mean, it, to be fair, it took Belisarius call 10,000 years to market improvement. Um, but yeah, like... But Belisarius call actually had the original plants. True. To be on fair. The team. He was on the Astartes team, so... So... And it still took him 10,000 years. Right. Yeah. Well, and but that whole, like, I can't even point to a specific scene at all. I was just like, every time they talked about it, I was like, no, 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 thank you. No, 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 thank you. I'm good. You don't want any of this. Trust me. Yeah, it's like I couldn't tell exactly what he was doing, you know, until um, the human. Gosh, I can't remember his name. Stumbled upon it, and I was like, oh, that's what we're doing? That is not cool. Like, that is, no. No. Well, and to your point, like, I mean, he's. No. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of doing this in secret, mm -hmm. and so, like, I am a firm believer that if you have to keep something secret, you probably know you're not supposed to be doing it. Right. Like. Oh, no, no, but it's for the greater good of our people. No, why are you keeping it a secret? Just right. asking. Just questions. Like, but what did you make overall? of? So there was a little bit of a difference between the hunt for Magnus, wolves, and the wolves of the Battle of the Fang. Like, overall, what did you think of 
where they're at, what they're doing, what they're struggling with. As you mentioned earlier, I know you kind of talked about earlier, but like with the Imperium, do they feel, or at least for me, at least I thought they didn't feel quite as much of, not pariahs, but outsiders as they do in the 40k universe. I felt like like they were at the start of being outsiders. Very much so. Like they just very much at the start. Yeah, like they just uh, they wanted to do their and there's a, you know, a a clash as well between, like I said earlier, with factions with ones wanting to do their own thing and go after Magnus. And the other's like, no, we need to handle this other stuff. And I feel like there's still that same thing, you know, with the wolves like see now with the 40K. Yes, they do come in and, and help, but they're not what they were in 30K in that they're not at the beck and call like they used to be. They're all so proud and they're, you know, got their arms crossed and are all pouty like we do, you know, you can't tell us what to do. But do you guys forget that when the emperor snapped his fingers, Lehman Russ was right there? To do whatever dirty work the emperor wouldn't do. And y'all are sitting now on Fenris pouting and occasionally sending, you know, uh, companies out to help. But really one of the last times I saw y'all do anything was uh, that was outside of Fenris was when y'all sent a, a great company to Cadia. Everything else, it's like when stuff's touching Fenris, like the Ragnar Blackmain novel, like the um, um, Emperor's Gift. That was stuff that was near Fenris, and there's in like in their around their system. They are they are fiercely protective of the planets within their system of the planets that they have given their word to, but it, it does make it interesting because one of my all time favorite Karn quotes is when Karn kind of talks about why the world eaters, basically why they were always problematic for the emperor. And one of the quotes he says is he's talking about how they used to be, be um, the war, yes. used to be called be the, war the warhounds. And he says, the wolves will always come to heal when called. In that regard, it is a mystery why they name themselves wolves. They are tame, collared by the emperor, obeying his every word, but a wolf doesn't behave that way. And I do feel that now they are more wolfish. Whereas in the 30K universe, definitely more houndish. Mm-hmm. Um, you are absolutely right. And it is interesting to start to see that coming to the forefront of this. We just kind of do our own. Like, we, if, if you have sworn yourselves to us or if we have given you a promise, men, we are there for you. If you have fought alongside us, we are there for you looking at the Emperor's gift. Um, outside of that, maybe. At the same time, like, I, you know, I love the white scars, but they do the exact same thing. So it's kind of a fun, I don't know, it's really kind of a fun dichotomy and yet not a dichotomy between the two of them. Why I like one more than the other. It's... I. Honestly, I, I personally find the wolves to be more petty. Um, I mean, like the whole the Vilk of Fenrika. Oh, why do they always call us the space wolves? Okay. Um, because not everybody knows that uh, Vilk of Fenrika, which is just almost basically just wolf wolf. Um, what? Like, 
exactly. The stuff in the 40K it is, is not like a, you know, you know, like Corvus Corax. You saying that they do stuff like that? Nah. Right. Not my 40K. What? <laughs> Corvus Corax? Or Card the Betrayer? Well, my particular favorite is Corvus Corax of the Raven Guard, whose parting words were never more. Just in case you didn't get, you know, his name is basically Raven Raven of the Raven Guard. Corvus Corax, Common Raven? Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Um... <laughs> it is not a subtle universe, okay? I'm not here to explain. Just tell you that it is. <laughs> I really love that um, the homeworld of the salamanders, who are the dark-skinned group, are from a planet called Nocturne. Really? I mean, really? Yep. Because, well, actually, Nostromo's not a bad word for the, uh, the Night Lords. But, um, they... <sighs> One of the things about this that I, I do like that kind of that start of it, but one of my biggest complaints about the wolves to going to something that you mentioned was that it really depends on who's writing them. Um, the wolves can be like, I, I can't stand when Gav Thorpe writes them. He writes them very silly, uh, very see, silly and, and petty. See, but to me, Gav Thorpe, just, he picks that one thing that I can't stand about the wolves and basically shows this is how they are. I'm like, yes, yeah, you're right. This is exactly how they are. But I can see someone... I think he clearly hates the wolves. I, think, I really but do. But I can see how someone like like you, who does love the wolves, is like, they're not that petty. Right. Well, it's like if, like if you had somebody who loved the Flash TV series and all you did was talk about uh, Flashpoint. Just like, oh, let's talk about Flashpoint. Like, well, no, I mean, I, I, there's other stuff that goes into it. And oh, really? Yeah. Did you really like when the Speed Force became sentient? Like, that's what. Okay, I'm going to stop like ranting like, to oh. you about this show. <laughs> if you're just going to throw it back at me, it was, it was just a <laughs> random. It was just a totally random. Like, I don't know, just a random example that came out of nowhere. Um, my, but you know what I'm saying? My oldest, like, it's for everybody else. My oldest son is making me watch all of the Flash, the CW show. And there's a reason why I quit after there's a reason why I quit in the middle of season three. I love the flash. I still read the comics. This show is killing me on the inside. And sometimes I text Jen my woes and now she's just going to throw it back at me. Well, but, you know, like my point being that if somebody really enjoys something, but then like somebody else comes along and they're like, well, I don't. So I'm just going to pick on those like those little gnarly bits that and I'm going to over exaggerate them. Right. Um, I, so I feel like sometimes they're presented as just being very silly and petty and brutish. And then other times it's more of like a, we just kind of do what we want. Like, I feel like ADB always writes them as more of like a, not trickster, but like ADB always writes them as kind of like a, do you want to go? We do whatever we want. Like I think about the emperor's, uh, the emperor's gift, right? Yeah. That scene Man. When they killed the Inquisitor. God. But he but he was very patient, right? He didn't like... Oh, like, no. I feel like in the hands of a lesser author, like, I feel like Gav Thorpe would have made him being like, fuck you, I fucking hate you! Bump, you know, Probably. pounding my fist, and then I'm going to beat you to death. You know what I mean? Probably. Like, I feel like... But then I feel like Chris Raitt writes them very reserved. There's a lot of anger there. They butt heads with one another, but to external people, they're very reserved. It, people just write them all very 
differently. And I feel like the wolves get the, they get the biggest treatment on that, um, where it's very disparate, right? On how people portray them. Um, I do like what Chris Wright does with I them. I think the dark angels are the same. You can tell. I actually 100% agree. You can tell who enjoys writing the dark angels and who does not. Yeah, Thorpe. Yeah, well, he's very good at it. He's very good at writing the Dark Angels, and so is Phil Kelly. Agreed on both accounts. Like, I am not, I'm not a huge Gav Thorpe fan, except for when he's writing the Dark Angels. I'm like, yes, more of this. I love everything that you do with them. Um, but you're right. They can be very haughty, comically mustache twirly bad, or they can be, well, I guess they're always kind of haughty and arrogant, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind but of their thing. It's kind of their uh, thing. We're going to talk about more about things in the Warhammer 40k universe in a second here. But um, I feel as though it really just does vary from author to author. And that's kind of, it's one of the good things, but also kind of one of the weird things. And this is definitely, Chris Rate is definitely just up and coming when he wrote this oh, book. Yes, you could tell this is very early. It was kind of like when reading... Um... Blood of Asaheim and Stormcaller, you know, reading those and then uh, the Hellwinter Gates, like, whoa, we can tell there's <laughs> there's been some uh, improvements or, you know, just the passage of time with someone's writing. It's just the way it is. You, I feel that way about so many of ADB's early books. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I wish I could write like this in my early. Tell me writing. about it. <laughs> yeah. I a hundred percent. So here's the part where I kind of struggle with this book too. So the wolves versus thousand sons is just a whole thing. Um, and I know that it's not, there's no fault, but um, we, we see it a lot and it really does come up a lot, especially recently with like the curse of the wolfen and everything recently in the last like six years. Um, it are you are you still like emotionally invested do you enjoy it i know whose side you, i know whose side quote unquote you take in the thing is it just is it a little too much i'm i'm personally a little kind of over it so honestly after reading ashes of prospero i was like you know at this point we need to be done because now, um, Stormcaller knows the truth. Now, the, the uh, Thousand Suns that are still underneath there know the truth. They're able to bring those other space wolves, you know, back out of the, the labyrinth and bring them home. They know the truth. This needs to be done. Uh, I thought that book was them being like, and that chapter's closed now. Isn't that nice? And granted... I think this book comes out before that originally. Oh, oh. but <laughs> this book came out like in 20, maybe 10 or 11 or was it 09? Hold on. Hells, please. Yes. Um, but yes, and it, it, I feel bad for it because like, have you ever gone back and you read? So I'll give you a really good okay, example. Uh, first published in 2011 and Ashes of Prospero came out like what, 20... 19 2020 so and the wolfen came out in like 2016 2017 so 
the Ashes of Prospero I thought was a very nice, we're done. 2018 is when Ashes of Prospero came okay. out. But yes, and I felt, well, unfortunately with this book, so there's this book in the horror novel community. Like if you're, if you're at all into horror novels and you want to read one of the Ur texts, there's a book called Burnt Offerings. And this is called an Urtext for a reason. It Basically, once you read this book, you realize that like 60% of horror movies take their blueprint from this book. Like you've read the story 16 times. You just didn't know it. Um, but I went back and read it like five years ago. And reading it was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. So like I've read this story like 15 times. Mm -hmm. But now it's not, it's not necessarily that author's fault that they wrote such a good blueprint for a horror story, especially the haunted house genre, which is my jam. Um, like it's not necessarily their fault for that. But unfortunately, I have, I, or I have the misfortune of reading it later so like for this one going back and reading it especially the hunt for magnus i'm like again even though if i had read it chronologically right and like i think that's also kind of why i wrote battle like i memory hold battle of the fang again I'm, I'm not kidding you i was like halfway through the book when i was like oh wait this happens next oh we read this book mm -hmm. right so much of it because i've just again i think ashes of prospero was the like right and we're done with that now. Uh, apparently not. Well, I mean, I hope we are. But, I hope so. Well, there hasn't been anything, you know, with that set since then. Um, yeah, because like the, yeah, because we had the Wolfen and that was like right as, right when the rift opened, when that was going on. Because, you know, the Dark Angels have like nothing else to do besides, you know go see what the wolves are doing and be like hey that's not right and i love my dark Keeping angels secrets I from love... the imperium how I... dare you i know i love the dark angels but i'm not gonna be in this i'm just like y'all are y'all are it's like come on this is a you are hypocriting hypocrites this is like a levels of petty even for you guys <laughs> like just calm calm down of course, like with the whole curse of the wolf and thing, I totally forgot the Alpha Legion had their hand in it, basically mucking everything up and like letting leading the Dark Angels here. I was like, oh, of course they did. If anyone's gonna want to start, have. like, if anyone's gonna want to start a civil war besides you know demon spawn, it's gonna be the Alpha Legion, and that's just for funsies. Uh, but but yeah, um, I mean, so this book did come out first. You know, ahead, ahead of all that. I think this was actually one of the early, early of the Space Marines Battles books. I think it was. Yeah. And um, so then we have The Curse of the Wolfen. And then we have Ashes of Prospero. It's like, can we can we be done? Like, Magnus, you can't tell me that Magnus has nothing better to do than to mess with the wolves. Like, at this point, and we're going to talk about this here in a second. This actually probably gonna be a good seg. I feel as though every few thousand years, he's like an angry spouse that comes into the room, like, and another thing. And, like, this is probably the only book where I felt as though his, the the revenge was well done. Like, that's that's pretty revengeful. And I 100% agree with you because that guy had no business. But what did so, you think of his revenge? Like, when it finally gets revealed what he's there to do, were you surprised? Were you surprised at it? Did you think it was good? Justified? So, I thought it was interesting when he told... I can't believe I didn't write this guy's name down. The uh, the sorcerer. 
not poor Aphael who got done dirty. But so, you know, Aphael, he was totally like, oh, we're doing this for revenge. And then the other sorcerer, Temek, that's his name. Temek was just like, Temek. that's stupid. Like, we really need to move on from this. I'm like, yeah, Temek, I'm, I'm totally with you on this. And when he's asking, telling Magnus, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. He's like, it's, this is not about revenge. It is, but it isn't. It, you know, when he breaks the statue over his knee, okay, that was a, that was revenge. And that was a little petty. Do you feel better having broken the one of the toys? Like, not him, but Why a toy. Why don't you throw all your toys around the room, Magnus? Seriously. But when he, it turned out it was thwarting this work that Wormblade was doing. I was like, huh. Is this really just a, no, you guys are going to be screwed up for the rest of your lives type thing? Or is this a... Was he safeguarding what his father had done? And I have to wonder about that just because, you know, when the Alpha Legion first saw some of the Alpha Legion, when they first saw the um, the Primaris, they're like, you don't mess with what the Emperor did. So it's it's interesting in, in that aspect. And that was actually, you know, one thing, reason why a lot of, uh, of the Emperor's children even had issues with Fabius Bile. With what he was doing at the time. It's like, you don't mess with the Emperor's work. This is, he had a plan. This is perfect. So I, you know, I'll never know. You know, maybe we're not supposed to know what Magnus's true reason. But that was just one thing I just had immediately thought of. It was like, was he safeguarding his father's work? It's more of the former. Possibly. Only because I thought it was... It was interesting in a couple of ways, because when you think about it, he deals two pretty big blows, right? One, yeah, you guys are going to have unstable gene seed, like we did. You're going to have me, like, you're going to be prone to mutations. Like the blood angels. They have There's a lot of them. They have, you know, but they all have the red thirst. They all have that risk of falling to the red thirst. And it's something like even in the Horus Heresy, I think it was in the, um, the Cygnus Prime book. Which was fear to tread. And when Horus accidentally witnesses it. And he tells Sanguinius, you need to let our father know. Well, Sanguinius is so afraid that his father was like, do you remember what happened to the second and the eleventh? I don't want that to happen again. Which just makes you wonder, like, well, why was the second eleventh? Was it not that they were, like, you know, eating babies? Like, we think because of what happened with the world leaders. Maybe it was, like, a really bad genetic mutation. That'd be interesting. It could be, right? And there is always kind of that interesting interesting undertone to the 40k lore of how many of them do have unstable gene seed. Right. Or so, that's... So, you, so you got the blood angels. You got a thousand sons because that's how Magnus lost his eye was to make his son stable. Made a bargain with the devil without really realizing it was the devil. And the... Uh, the Space Wolves. Does anybody else really have the unstable gene seed? Oh, the Emperor's children did. Because that's why they're called the Phoenician, because they were almost wiped out because they had an issue. Um, anybody it, else? I don't just, think so. But that's, I mean, like, when you look at statistically, that's that's quite a few. Mm -hmm. Um, There's that, right? So I think that was kind of like a, yeah, no, you were going to forever be unstable. And I have figured out how your Imperium works. That's going to be your dirty little secret that you get to keep under wraps. But the biggest blow that he deals is, oh, all the successor chapter nonsense. 
not for you guys. Your gene seed's too unstable. There have been, they tried to do a few successor chapters for the uh, Space Wolves and they all failed spectacularly. Well, because they even because... mentioned them, you know, the the Wolf Brothers, I think is what, what they were. Yes. And Magnus actually deposited some of them on this planet. Twitter Hamill's like, well, we can't leave now. We got these guys here. We got we to gotta kill them. Like, you guys are totally following Magnus's little playbook. I mean, he's like, step one, <laughs> send dreams. <laughs> um it was but i like i i thought like honestly again i i am not a thousand suns fan per i am not a thousand suns fan i definitely am team russ blah 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 blah. but i when it got they did that i was like that's fair Mm -hmm. that's that's actually pretty good and it was pretty wicked because if you go by the ancient klingon phrase that uh revenge is best served cold that was a pretty cold revenge and Fenris is like, cold. It was cold on a few levels. But I'm like, that's pretty good. Like, I don't I don't have anything bad to say about this as a revenge plot. Because and like look, again, even though I am Team Russ and I, I I'm not a thousand sons fan, Horus did do them dirty. Yes. One hundred percent. They were deserving of a little bit of revenge. They're but- continuing you then showing back up and being like, and now we've given you a hangnail! Like, that kind of stuff I'm not as much of a fan of, but this book I was like, well done. Well done. You waited a thousand years and then we're like, BT dubs. It is. And yeah, the fact that I just did not like, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy who's working with the Canis Hillix, like, uh, I did not like him. Thank you. He was giving off Way too many fabulous Bill vibes. Oh, yeah. So anything that put that guy in place, I was like. And Kristen, the best part was Bjorn at the end going, that is not cool. And I never would have approved of something like that. Like, you know, that I'm kind of not angry with Magnus for destroying that. <laughs> I mean, Bjorn is not mad. That? He's just disappointed. <laughs> No, I had that exact same moment when even Bjorn's like, okay, like, I'm not, I'm not happy what Magnus has done here, but I'm damn sure not pleased with that. Like, did you, I mean, you could have just said, please, like, I would have gone in there and done it. I mean, he even said he would have. Did you have to come in here and break all our shit? Yeah, like, all you had to do is drop me a dream and I would have woken up and been like, gotta go downstairs for a few minutes <laughs> then i'll go back to sleep <laughs> like it's like daddy's gonna fix some stuff um can we also like the one thing that made me sad is i was like well that's all great but then just like the sheer number of dreadnought violence in this book they didn't all make it no but Man, you texted me that this was the only time you were sad about a dreadnought that wasn't Bjorn. I mean, I can't even remember his name. Like, why did I not write this down? Because I was like so sad. It was uh, the one that like that Freya had kind of like latched onto, and it was when she was kind of walking him back, and he's like, you know, I gotta go, and she's like, I'm so sorry if I offended you, and he turned around and said, you never offended me, and went. I was like, oh. 
dreadnought like got all emotional. Just want to give the big old cold uh, box a hug. Right. Like, come in. Come in. Like, now we have to hug for this. Uh, that is actually one of the things that I always find very interesting with the wolves. And Chris Rate in particular does this where he always seems to want to have the wolves and, like, a, a person form a friendship. And I always like that particular piece from him um i just like when the adeptus astartes make friends in general um they have a buddy cop movie it's... <laughs> huh it's like a little buddy cop movie pretty much pretty much i'm 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 a big fan um but i was a little shocked about like how just how many dreadnoughts get killed because i was like those are irreplaceable yeah yeah this actually makes they me even all the more impressed it was like, you know, when Bjorn went over the side of the cliff, I was like, well, I know he's not dead because I've seen him in other books. But damn, son. And uh, talk about a guy who's not, not allowed to die, Bjorn. <laughs> he's still around 10,000 years later. I think the other day, my husband and I were just having this weird debate and I was like, who are like established characters with plot armor that you would legit be pissed if they died. And basically Bjorn was at the top of the list. Yep. At this point. Yep. It would be so ignoble for him to die at this point. Um but like Kato Sicarius is one too, right? Oh I still he... like to say Kato. Kato just sounds so weird. You can't kill he, Kato Sicarius. He, Kato Sicarius. Um, no, you can't. Like, I, I would be legit. I don't even like Kato that much except for that one book. And I would not react well. No. I mean, yeah. He's got plot armor. Uh, I even think that even Dante. Dante may be Mephiston. People would be very upset. Yes. I can honestly say I don't think I would care if either one of those two well, died. No, but you don't care about the blood angels either, so. R correct. However, oddly, I'd be upset if Gabriel Seth died. Because he's a flesh terror, that's why. I'm really not that into the flesh terrors. You like but them I more would... than the blood angels. Fair. But I would be I'd be a little sad. I'd be sad if um From the friggin' Dark Angels. Azrael? Yes! Oh my god, um, I wanted to say that. And then for a second there, I was like, that's the cat in Gargoyles. Or in uh, Smurfs. No, oh, yeah, Azrael. He's the, the supreme, supreme I, grand master. I would be sad if Azrael died. Like, because that guy is, again, like, no. You can't. Um, oh my god, if Marnius Calgar dies. Duh! That's not even, that's not even funny. Don't even talk about it. It's not even a... No! Although I will um, say, if they kill off Reboot after bringing him back, I will be livid. Because what is the point then? You could have just left him in stasis. Seriously. They can't. They just have to, like, move it very slowly now to get the whole band back together. But, um, yeah, Bjorn... That was the other thing about reading older books that's kind of hard, is Ooh, there's no Ragnar real... Ragnar Blackmane It's probably another... Oh, I'd be sad if they killed Ragnar. Yeah. Um, especially after ascending him to Primaris. Um, oh, did he? I, I 
that's the other thing that was a little hard about this. Cause like you mentioned, like Bjorn goes over the cliff and you're like, well, there's no sense of danger there. Like he's going to come back and be like, Oh, I hurt my one remaining arm. All right. Well, you're dreading on anyway. So same old, same old. Like there was no real sense of danger for that kind of stuff. Some of the other people who I'm like, I, okay. Like you seem cool. Um, now I'm sad you're dead. Uh, but there was, that's the only problem with reading some of these older books where it's like, hmm, certain characters, we just know. We just know. You're not killing oh, yeah. Bjorn in this book. Which is probably just, I think that's probably my biggest complaint about the whole Thousand Suns Space Wolves thing. They're, they're never going to annihilate one another. No. Right? Like. Oh my God. Can you imagine? If they decided to like wipe out a founding legion, if Games Workshop was like, yeah, let's just get rid of them. No. That is the start of the end of days of Warhammer 40k. Right. Like when people people got so upset with the uh when they blew up the old world to bring in Age of Sigmar and everyone was like, it's the end of days for this property. Um and uh, people thought that way about with Cadia too. When Cadia got destroyed, they were like, Oh, here it goes, the end of days. And that could be right, but they're going to slow burn it out, right? But yeah, if they destroy... Like, again, I don't even really care about the Blood Angels or the Dark Angels. Um, Like, I actively dislike the Dark Angels, but if they wiped them out... like, Excuse you. I love that they're out there. I'm not emotionally invested in them at all, but I love that they're out there. But, and I say this a lot... I feel like there's other stories to tell with the wolves and the thousand suns that aren't about them hating each other and wanting revenge. No, and and there and there have been some like the whole yeah. the the Hellwinter Gate and um you know the whole Ariman stories. Well, there was that one time they did bring the wolves in, which was kind of funny. Those reasons. Yeah. Well, it's just it's kind of like it's one of those things where they almost define each other. Yeah. Right? Like, it's it's almost just like, if you were to describe, like, oh, well, you know, who are the thousand, like, who are the space wolves? Well, and they have a huge, like, long-standing beef for the thousand suns because they almost killed all of them. Like, it, it's one of their defining characteristics. And so, it just doesn't make it all that. I, I get, I, I just have a little bit of fatigue on that in general. And again, it's not, it's not like a thing against Chris Ray. This is an old book. No, no, but, no. No, but I... I get what you're saying like we don't want to see the same grudge matches like the Hatfields and McCoys it gets old yes yes very much so um and there yeah like there's just so many other stories that you can tell with both of these characters we've even seen like interesting thousand sun stories that brace yourself don't involve the space wolves now I do know that the battle of fang is like one of the famous Mm-hmm. things in their history and it's part of the lore and blah 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 like great good i'm so glad i reread this it is no longer memory <laughs> in my brain which is good um but i'm good for a while yeah i like, agree all the way good last question for you though on this book mm-hmm. because this has kind of been interesting to me so as you mentioned like the wolfen was a whole thing and like with you know the cracking of Cadia, like there's been a lot of major events several years ago. Why publish this one now? I'm not complaining. It's a beautiful, I love it. It's very wintry. 
But why though? I, the only thing I think of is like the Black Library or Games Workshop has been, you know, publishing um, or republishing older books. Suddenly, like the first one I ever saw was when they did Xenos. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, "Well, that's interesting." It's, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it, it's behind me too. Um, and then what did we have? We had um, Storm of Iron, and then yes, and then we recently had a Nightbringer got a reprint, got a hardback yes. reprint. Um, but not like the not the shiny collector's edition like this and. Nothing's gotten anything like Xeno Scott or Armageddon or, or Cadian Blood. Cadian Blood is the new one. Yes, but what was the other one? We went back and we read another older book because they had come out with a special edition of it. Maybe you're right. Maybe there's no rhyme or reason. Maybe they're just like, hey, we're just going to bring these back. But the fact that they did this one and they did Armageddon, like, are they going to, is this going to be a pattern with the Space Marine battles? Karn. Books? That was what it was. Karn. Maybe that is what I'm thinking about, yeah. Because I, I just was looking at my, because like, there's all my limited editions right back there. It's Karn. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm looking at all of my special editions and I can't remember anything else it would have been. But yeah, like, it's an interesting thing. But it's interesting to me that they've now released two of the Space Marine Battle books. Maybe they're just beloved, that beloved of classics that they were like, hey, let's, yay, fancy editions. More money. Um, I mean, they're about to do uh, with uh, Angels of Darkness. Same thing like what they did with Nightbringer. Just kind of a like a 10 year anniversary hardback. So it, it it's interesting. It's like almost like it is. Do you guys not have anything new in the pipeline? Or you just want to give these, you know, really popular books some beloved limited edition treatment? Okay. I mean... And maybe that's it. Maybe they just kind of have figured out that, hey, look, if we go and re not that I'm pointing fingers directly and squarely at myself, but maybe if we go back and republish this book, people will read it again. And who hadn't experienced it? Um, I think of specifically Karn, right? Like, hey, we'll get people to go back and read this older story about these guys that they didn't remember, right? It's a really good, especially given the way that they publish and then like basically make it so that you can't get a book <laughs> after it's been published for a while. Um it's right. an interesting way to be like, oh, by the way, oh my god, it's like the Disney vault. Ah, shit. Why'd you say that? I'm so, it, po it just popped in there. It just popped in there for the little for the youngins who don't remember that. Uh, like, all through the 80s and 90s, Disney would have Disney this big, vault. like, we are going to re-release Cinderella on VHS. But only for a limited time. And sure as shit... Oh, it we, would be out for like a my, year or maybe even six months and then gone. My family was, I mean, we did that, harped on it. And then when they started Everyone bringing, did, I think. Well, and I did it again, you know, when With I those moved. those big, like the big plastic yes, cases yes. in the VHS. But like, but then I did it again when I was in college and they were bringing them into DVD. I'm like, hot damn. I still for have. For the first time on DVD. I still have all of them downstairs. They're really pretty cases too. But man, it was like they were out for like maybe three to six months. That was his. And then they were gone. And yeah. then you couldn't buy it again until like 15, 20 years later when they yeah. would release it again. And they would go through the entire catalog like that. And now I'm starting to think that Black Library was like, not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, so it's going to be really funny when they come out with Black Library Plus and everything's going to be on there. 
<laughs> and we pay like $10 a month. Right. So that you can go and watch just whatever. And, well, read, read all whatever. the books. Like if they ever put that on Warhammer Plus, where they're like, yeah, just whatever. If it was written more than five years ago, whatever. There you go. <laughs> Unless we're going to put out a special edition of it. But I was glad that we went and we did. We did some of the Wayback Machine. I feel as though it's always kind of fun to be like, okay, we've read something new. Now we're going to go in the Wayback Machine. And now new. And then I, I kind of, I like that. It does help kind of, um, it makes I'm, them a little breezier. Well, it passes I, the time. And I have War of the Fang in paperback. And I always meant to read it. Well, that was giving me a reason to, to read it, I guess. Now I right. own two copies. Like a chump. Oh, do you want me to go get my Battle of the Fang? It's like, it is, it's an old one. <laughs> like, I feel you. But this is just kind of what it is to be a Black Library fan. I guess. We do it all I, for you guys, okay? All for all you. All for you. <laughs> um, I'm excited, though, because our next book is, well, it kind of checks a lot of boxes. I don't have mine physically. It is Wrath of the Lost by Chris Here, Forrester. I have it. New author. We don't often see the blood, the flesh terrors having their own book, which I think is kind of exciting. because they're pissy. Um, huh? It's because they're pissy. I mean, not to put T-Frying a point on it, but yes. They're just the angry blood angels. <laughs> they were like, you guys don't go hard enough. But we will. Yeah, we but they're do not, but they don't go as... They don't go as hard as the blood drinkers did. All right. There is there is that. I don't know. They are like, I always joke that the flesh terrors are like the edge lordiest of edge lord things. Like, mm, and I, yeah, but I'm very excited to read it. They survived I really the great purge of the devastation of Ball. <laughs> I mean, oh, that chapter, it got devoured. Exactly I mean, that. Literally. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, they are now a uh, tyrannid poop on the highway. Do they poop? I, I don't know, but that's oddly going to bother me for the rest of the night. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, they're, anyways, kind of, they're insects, so they must. Wrath of the Lost is next. <laughs> Chris Forrester, who I don't think we've read anything by him yet. So this no, is exciting. I, don't, I, don't I was like, when we get a new author, I'm like, ooh. I've never heard of it. I mean, he's probably written some random, let's see, probably written some random short story or something in Inferno or something that I wouldn't have read. Let's see what the back probably. of the book says. Um, he wrote a short story called Postulant. Oh, it's in the Cthonia's Reckoning anthology. Oh, okay. So, Well, like, I keep thinking we found, like... Mike Brooks was a great addition. Robert Rath was a great addition. Yep. I, I like I like all this getting new blood in there. Like, let's... I mean, I like Denny Flowers. Yeah. Eduardo Albert. Oh, my God, Eduardo Albert. Uh, Kazarkin's going to be... That's going to be up there for a while. Uh, yeah, every now and then I still think of stuff that was in Kazarkin. It's like, it lives in my head rent-free. The dinner scene is not going to leave my brain for a what? <laughs> my sentient sausage is behind me now. Oh, well, see, uh, now that the cat's on the table, it is definitely time to go. 
You want to take us out, Carrie? I think I sure will. First, she starts knocking off stuff because that's what cats do, people. So you've oh listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding War of the Fang by Chris Rate. Be sure to join us next time for Wrath of the Lost. Here I will show my copy again since Jen doesn't have a copy. We are I have a cat. Yeah, well, you do have a cat. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while. And read from a crag. Yeah, I guess I'm still off areas. Face, she is purring. <laughs> she looks like she's very angry. She is. I wish I could like put the mic up to her so you could hear how loud this animal is purring right now. She's a weirdo. Oh, that's cats for you. All right. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. The Warhammer 40k book club was hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.